Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Are you being influenced? Well, if you watched the blockbuster film in the last decade, well, then there's a chance it has been influenced by the Chinese Communist Party. Now, here's the reality. The CCP may be running the largest influence campaign in history. Now, in Hollywood Takeover, brought to you by the Epic Times, well, investigative reporter Tiffany Meyer reveals how the CCP exerts control over some major studios. Don't miss the most important documentary about Hollywood yet. And for a limited time, you can watch the first 10 minutes for free when you go to the website, hollywoodtakeover.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Day number 166. Coming up next, our final news roundup and information overload hour. All right, news roundup, information overload hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program. Um, Let me go back to this issue because it keeps coming up and everybody's talking about it because Jen Psaki just refused to outright deny that Kamala Harris might be considered as a Supreme Court nominee. Now, uh... Jen Psaki, the chief propagandist of the White House, was asked about this by Peter Alexander and Peter Ducey, and here's her response. Is there any scenario in which the president would select his vice president, Kamala Harris, for the Supreme Court? Again, I'm not going to speak to uh, any considerations, preparations, lists. Um, and as we've stated earlier, and you heard the president say, uh, it is there's a long history of Supreme Court justices determining when uh, they may retire, if they retire, and announcing that. Uh, and we're going to, uh, that remains the case today. Thank you. When you were asked about the vice president possibly being selected as a Supreme Court nominee, you said you're not going to speak to any considerations. Does that mean she is being considered? Uh, again, Peter, I'm not going to speak speak to uh, the reports of a Supreme Court justice retirement that hasn't been announced. So theoretically, would someone who's... Theoretically, I do like that you preface it. I appreciate that. Just wondering, hypothetically, theoretically, uh, would someone who was an attorney general of a large state and who served with many key Senate votes be an attractive candidate to the president for an open Supreme Court seat? I see what you did there, Peter. But uh, the president has every intention, uh, as he said before, of running for re-election and for running for re-election with uh, Vice President Harris on the ticket as his partner. Uh, but again, I will just reiterate uh, that uh, I have nothing more to offer in terms of specifics or information on the reports this morning. 
All right. With uh, response now, we're joined by Caitlin Sutherland, executive director of Americans for Public Trust. And by the way, they have done all the research on all these groups uh, that were bullying Breyer into retiring. Remember reports yesterday, he was furious that he did not get to announce himself his own retirement. Uh, anyway, Americans for Public Trust demand justice, a radical liberal dark money group intent on overhauling the federal court system, as many alumni, including Jen Psaki and the Biden administration. So there's an there's an underbelly to this story. And anyway, foxnews.com had an article about it, and it is inside Biden White House's ties to dark money group seeking to pack the Supreme Court. Here with us is Caitlin Sutherland. Caitlin, you want to break this all down for us? Hi, Sean. Thanks for having me on. Uh, yes, uh, you know, Demand Justice, as you said, is a massive dark money group that just spent the last year bullying Justice Breyer into retiring. Uh, and as we know now, their efforts finally paid off. And before that, they spent months bullying Dianne Feinstein into stepping down from judiciary. And guess what? She did. And before that, they spent tens of millions of dollars opposing Trump's picks for the Supreme Court. Uh, so this group is going to be a major player demand justice that we all need to be on the lookout for over the next few months over this Supreme Court vacancy. Well, is it going to be? Well, how is it possible that Breyer didn't get to make the announcement himself? Who jumped the gun? Do we know? You know, that's a great question. Uh, but, you know, we don't know necessarily where it came from, but we do know that demand justice has insiders in the White House. As you just stated, Jen Psaki is a demand justice alum. She is now the White House press secretary and the point person for judicial nominations that is shepherding this process with President Biden also worked for demand justice. So when you have two key alums of demand justice now working in the White House, whose former employer just spent the last year bullying Justice Breyer into retiring, you know, it does raise some questions. Well, raise a lot of questions. Now, what about this whole issue that that race and gender will be the two factors, as promised in the campaign by Joe Biden, in selecting a replacement for Breyer? You know, I think that's also something that, you know, we need to be, you know, on the lookout for, particularly as who is driving election of who's going to be on the Supreme Court. Is it going to be something that outside groups are demanding of President Biden, or is he going to make this pick independently. You know, we already know that Demand Justice has a short list of who they want to see on the Supreme Court. And with insiders in the White House, you know, Demand Justice that is driving the pick when it should be the other way around. Uh, we know that they want to overhaul the Supreme Court uh, and radically change uh, the judicial branch. So we need to be concerned about who they want to be on the Supreme Court. Well, we're going to see. Um, do you see any names that pop out at you as as likely potential uh, top picks by Biden? Well, yeah, I think that, uh, you know, we have seen uh, several names circulating. Uh, you know, I think the, the front runner that everyone uh, has been speaking about in the news uh, is Judge Jackson uh, will be very interesting to watch. Um, but I would definitely always take a look at the shortlist that Demand Justice has prepared of who they'd like to see. And if you can see the revolving door between who Demand Justice wants to see on the Supreme Court and then who Joe Biden ultimately selects, 
You know, that's just not the way that this process is supposed to work. And when you have insiders in the White House leading point on judicial nominations, you know, they are doing the bidding of their former employer. You rightly pointed out, I saw a comment that you had made in a Fox News interview that they want to obviously pack the court. You said add seats to the Supreme Court. We know that they want to add term limits for justices. They want to overhaul it and swing not just the Supreme Court, but every level level of the judiciary. Uh, so it would be more progressive. And anyway, so and Jen Psaki worked as a communications consultant for Demand Justice. Uh, why should people be nervous of this group? I've never heard of them. Well, they should be nervous because they are a massive dark money group that has shown they have been very effective into getting what they want. As I said, they just spent the last year bullying Justice Breyer into retiring, and it worked. They spent months bullying Dianne Feinstein to step down from the judiciary, and it worked. If they get their way and who they select on the next Supreme Court for a lifetime appointment, that person could be doing a lifetime appointment of this group's bidding. And they only want liberal and left-wing judges on the Supreme Court. For something that's a lifetime appointment, we need to be concerned. I agree. I don't see a strategy for Republicans with a 50-50 split, do you? You know, it certainly is going to be challenging, but the more that we can raise awareness to what the man justice is doing... And the insiders in the White House who are leading points, you know, we need to be aware of what this group is mobilizing to do. As I said, they bullied Justice Breyer into retiring. Now they are mobilizing to get their way in the Supreme Court vacancy. All right. Well, we really appreciate your insight, Caitlin Sutherland. Thank you, Executive Director of Americans for Public Trust. 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, Kim is in Idaho. Kim, what's going on? Glad you called. Hi, Sean. I just want to let you know that I just love you, and thanks for taking my call. Thank I you. have a couple questions. I am curious as to why Biden isn't being tested for his cognitive capacity, and who, if anyone, is in charge of initiating that test. Well, I mean, you're asking a really good question. Uh, obviously, I think the public at some point is... Uh, I, I see now what I, we, we were way ahead of the curve. Let me start there. We've seen this from the beginning. More and more people, uh-huh. pl- plurality of people now see what we see. And the bottom line is very, very simple. And that is that if more and more people see and feel that he's not mentally up to the job, doesn't have the mental awareness, cognitive strength, ability, but the hardest job in the world, arguably, then I think people are going to start thinking it's time for him to step aside. And I do I want that to happen? No. Is it is there any chance that, you know, potentially he can start recovering, getting better? Yeah, of course there is. I believe in that. Um, but to me, he's getting progressively worse, as we've seen now in mm-hmm. the last two weeks alone. So the answer is Jared. now. Now, what happens if he does step aside uh, or is pressured to step aside? Well, then Kamala Harris is mm-hmm. the president. She'll pick, you know, the vice president. Uh, we're still in the same position in terms of the midterms. We've got to win them to stop this radical agenda. And in 2024, right. it's anybody's guess which way this is going to go, right? Mm-hmm. And then also, um, like when he, you know, made his big blunder on the new, you know, when he was doing his little speech and he gave Russia basically the green light that said, you know, if they only do a minor incursion, that's okay. I mean, isn't that inciting war? For the most part, um, 
in a sense, it's given his blessing towards it. Um, you know, it's interesting because people are trying to say that somehow conservatives are upset that he's not being tougher with Russia. And the response was, well, let me let me put 8,500 troops on a higher state of preparedness, which is laughable yeah. to me. I mean, you know, Putin's yeah. got anywhere between 100, 150, 200,000 troops already on the border with Ukraine. Uh, he's got ships yep. at sea. He's got land, sea and air all dominating of Ukraine. He can go in at a moment's notice and he will take over. There's there's no way the Ukrainians can really fight back effectively. Now, is Joe Biden uh, or the United States, are they going to take Ukraine's side and get involved in a military conflict with Russia? No. Do I want them to? Absolutely not. But I do think the most effective thing that Joe Biden can do is he's incapable of doing because he is literally at the mercy of of the radical left that runs his party. The best thing to do would be to compete in the world market and outproduce Russia in terms of energy and provide that energy to all of our NATO and Western European allies. If we do that, that will then prevent Russia from getting rich again and Putin from having the the even the wherewithal to think about any type of minor incursion or military effort into Ukraine or anywhere else. Now, some might say, Sean, what do we give a flying rip? It's Ukraine. It's Russia. Well, if we if you if you don't understand the geopolitical consequences and potential consequences of allowing a hostile regime to just run roughshod and take over this country. And then this other country, China, takes over Taiwan. And, you know, you've got yourself a prescription for a potential down the line where it becomes more like a world war situation. And then you have new alliances built, the countries that are now taking over sovereign countries, they align together and and then free countries of the world begin to realize, uh-oh, we may be next. And then you got yourself a potential for a real conflict, which is possible. Now, if you don't believe me, go back, look at the history of, of the last century where 100 million human souls are dead in the name of government, wars, oppression, communism, fascism, Nazism, you name it. It all happened. And don't think it can happen in our time. Sadly, I think it can. Anyway, uh, glad you called. All right, back to our busy phones. Uh, let's get to Bob in Texas. Bob, you're on the Sean Hannity Show. Glad you called. Uh, thank you, Sean. And I teach uh, government and politics here at the Friday Night Lights uh, School, you know, the Mojo and Permian in West Texas. And uh, we've got some great students, as most schools do, and they're mostly seniors, and they're pretty smart. And yesterday we were discussing, because I always open up the class with a, a current event, you know, and we were discussing the United Nations, the U.N., and it occurred to me that I haven't heard anything about, uh, from the uh, UN, you know, on the Russia-Ukraine crisis. So we looked at their webpage, and what do I see on their splash page? It's articles about, you know, digital currency, can't abandon Afghanistan, love and condoms, uh, you know, sustainability, everything but the crisis. And I looked at their mission statement again because, you know, maybe it changed since I studied the UN many years ago. Nope. Maintain international peace and security. Uphold international law. So, Sean, last time I looked, an aggression from one country against another. Well, that's not too uh, kosher for international law. That's against international law. So uh, I think that they ought to, you know, get off their duff there at the U.N., at least the Security Council members, of course, the, the five permanent ones include China and Russia. So, you know, there's no 
there's no uh, surprise that they're probably not talking about this. But uh, in order to put some teeth into their organization, they're going to have to come to grips with this sooner or later. Well, you know, I just don't trust foreign countries, world organizations. I'm not a fan of the U.N. I'm not a fan of the W.H.O., um, I think everybody's got their agenda. I think the fact that we end up paying the bulk of monies, even for NATO, way more than we should be paying. Other countries need to step up. Uh, you know, it's it's in their backyard. It impacts them the most. You know, Vladimir Putin, you know, there's estimates that came out a barrel of oil may cost 150 bucks a barrel. Well, that's going to have a dramatic impact on the world economy. And if you think inflation is bad now, well, if the price of oil doubles again or triples, uh, you're going to be paying eight dollars a gallon just to fill up your tank. And Americans can't afford that. Yeah. Listen, I'd love to be an isolationist and I do not want any foreign conflict or wars. And let me be clear, we're not going to go to war with Russia and we shouldn't. But there are things that we could do that would be highly effective. The single most effective thing we could do is we can rip out, you know, the underbelly of the Russian economy and outproduce energy and and make sure it gets in the hands of those people that need it the most. That So they won't be beholden to the likes of Vladimir Putin. Anyway, 800-941-SEAN, our number. We'll get to your calls next half hour. deserves to know the truth about Congress. All right, 800-941-SEAN, you want to be a part of the program. Uh, so much to talk about today, so much going on. Anyway, a lot of good callers today and a lot of good callers always. Let's go to uh, Pam is in Ohio. Pam, I'm reading on my screen that you are a farmer. Is that true? Well, my husband's the farmer, but yes. <laughs> so. uh, and I'm sure you probably help him. How big a farm you have? Uh, he has several, a uh, couple hundred acres, and he also raises cattle. Uh, okay, that's really cool. That's yes, awesome. Do you cool. like that life? We love it. It's just the best. It couldn't get any better. All right, let me ask you, because there are days when I'm, you know, in a total Adam shift storm of some kind. Mm-hmm. I wonder to myself, you know what? Maybe I should have a farm. Maybe I should be have a be a rancher. <laughs> Maybe I've watched too much Yellowstone. I have no idea. <laughs> I love that. Um, would I get bored or would I get used to it? You know what? You would not get bored at all because every day, you know, you've got to keep it going. You've got livestock to take care of. They've got to be fed. You've got to make sure if they need any help from the vets. Um, you know, when it comes to your crops, you work daily. Um, you know, in bet- when after you plant, of course, you have some downtime. You have to, you know, maybe go and do some things in between to get to harvest. So you have a, a full-blown schedule again. But my husband is retired from uh, the job he had 30 years, so he worked at uh, a company, plus he farmed. And um, even being retired, he's he's not bored. I mean, there's always something to take care of. Well, you know, I just tell you, it just is an amazing life. You know, it's it's kind of funny 
for those of us that grew up, I got, grew up in suburbia, and and I grew up, and I went to the grocery store, and I, you know, you see all these incredible fruits and vegetables and products, and you know, anything you want, you can buy, and it's in the store. Most of us don't spend a lot of time thinking about all the hard work that goes into producing all of that food that we love to consume because I like to eat, right. and it is a lot of hard work. And it's amazing how technologically advanced farming has become and and ranching has become and how efficient farmers can be. Um, Correct. And I have farmers call this program. For example, everyone's telling me the price of fertilizers through the roof, and they're wondering why they're paying more at the grocery store. And I'm like, well, the price of fertilizer is much higher. And I'm like, number two, it costs more to ship everything because of Joe Biden's economic and energy policies. Well, you better believe it. My husband is um, already starting to buy some fertilizers at cost now because of the increases we've been forewarned that could come. And there seems like there's no end in sight. There's also the possibility that a lot of these um, chemicals they will not even be able to purchase. They will not make it, you know, to the states, evidently. Um, so, yes, I think it's it's kind of odd how all of this is happening. Um, of course, with the Green New Deal and the background of everything that they want to accomplish, um, it really makes you wonder if, the, if all of this isn't part of their plan. What do you mean by plan? I mean, well, I honestly think that, okay, let me give you an example. We have a farm, there, there's a farm near a town uh, close to us, 700 plus acres. It was bought by, uh, well, we were told Bill Gates in the beginning and then, uh, then to a, a firm that purchased it later on. It's, they came in, they wiped down all of the trees, the houses, they cleared the land, and we've been told it's going to go into um, a solar farm. And so I believe that Part of them, part of what they're doing, I think, is trying to take down the American farmer who um, it doesn't look at their green deal as being part of their daily life. It's almost impossible that we we see it as almost impossible to get to. So it's sort of like well, an assault. In other words, if you don't have you the exactly. energy to, to do the things you need to do that. In other words, there's a there's an art, there's a science. I mean, there are agri- agricultural colleges that yes. that teach the most efficient farming technologies and methods that are out there and available. And the equipment, by the way, that they have over the years developed is is actually amazing to make your job not only easier but enables you to produce so much more food than than in prior years and decades. Um, do I think that that this would be more burdensome regulation that would impact sure. farmers yeah it could it could absolutely destroy the farming exactly and i i believe that would yeah of course it could i think it's um my husband will ask how do they think we're going to charge that tractor out in the middle of the field when the batteries you know are drained um there are they going to put us charging stations out in the middle of the field you know um it's just crazy. We just we don't understand it. Um, we don't we don't know why they want to take the American farmer down. But I think that's all part of it. But I think that the Biden administration is doing anything they can do to take anybody down um, that loves this country. And we see it in all kinds of aspects. And the border, open borders, two plus million is what we've heard so far. Thank God for Fox's drones that are out there showing us the truth about what's going on when you have young men that look like they could get in the ring and box with you seriously 
and they're calling them children, and they're releasing them in the different cities in the middle of the night. Why? What are they up to? You know, what are they what are they planning to use those immigrants for? Um, And Nancy Pelosi, she'll say it's all about the children. Well, what are they doing with those little children that came over the border unsupervised? Some of the stories were horrible. Is our government promoting, you know, um, child sex? I, I don't understand. No, I don't think they're, our government. I think they want, they support illegal immigrants. I think there is a calculation that has been made that, you know, if they offer something of great value to people, uh, it doesn't matter where they come from. Uh, it's called amnesty and citizenship uh, that they'll be rewarded potentially for generations to come. Um, I believe in immigration. I'm, I'm the product of immigration. My, my grandparents came from Ireland. I don't care where people come from, but I want them to do it legally. And, and that's all there is to it. And, you know, to have open borders and pick and choose what laws you're going to obey and what laws you choose not to obey and to aid in a bet and law breaking, which Joe Biden's been doing, is something I never thought I'd see in my life. It's, it's an enormous cost on the American people. Uh, people need food and shelter and health care and kids need the education when they're here. Um, they won't even allow allow us to deport in sanctuary states and cities uh, illegal immigrants that spend time in jail when they get out of jail. They're protected. They're not handed over as the law requires to law enforcement for deportation. So it's, uh, you know, once you get to, this is what Levin always would call the post-constitutional America and the rule of law is meaningless. And that would include, you know, a dual justice under the law. We don't have equal application of our laws. We don't have equal justice under the law. Um, we don't enforce the laws that we don't like. All of this is, it's very, very dangerous to this republic. You know, they talked about all the danger of Donald Trump. What they're doing is extraordinarily dangerous. If they don't like immigration laws, they ought to change it. They're not going to. Pam, God bless you and your husband. You feed us all. We don't say thank you enough. You don't get enough credit for all you do. And um, it's an amazing, amazing service that you provide uh, the rest of humanity, and we thank you for it. Well, we thank you. All right, thank you. All right, Ben in Georgia has a disagreement with me. What's up, Ben? How are you? Hey, Sean. Love the show. Uh agree with you almost but. every every time get but, to the butt <laughs> but uh i disagree yeah. with you on uh on governor kemp in georgia i think he's the best candidate to beat stacy abrams this year uh, i i think he's the most conservative governor we've had maybe ever um and has been incredibly effective in everything that that he's done whether it's um you look at protecting life or the elections reform that he did last year um He's kept business open during the pandemic, uh, tax refunds, uh, going after critical race theory. Uh, I, I think. Well, listen, I like David fine. Perdue for that position. Um, I, I didn't like and I'll be very specific. The consent agreement after the the Georgia Democratic Party, the Democratic Senatorial Campaign Committee, the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Uh, they sued the state of Georgia. This is, you know, I, I, I believe groups involved with Stacey Abrams were involved in this. And they got this consent agreement and it created the dual standard, for example, on signature verification. I know the, the legislature has strengthened the election integrity laws in Georgia. I don't think they've gone far enough. I think they've, they've got to have that database applied equally to 
voting in person and mail-in voting in Georgia. That does not exist yet today. Uh, nor do I feel that they handled the election right and on a lot of fronts. Uh, like a lot of states, Georgia has a law that says partisan observers get to watch the vote count start to finish. That didn't happen. Nobody seemed to care in the governor's office or in the secretary of state's office. That's my observation. Um, I know David Perdue, and, and I think he and Herschel Walker are two phenomenal candidates. Uh, but we can sometimes agree to disagree. It's not a problem for me. No, not same here. I, I just uh, I, I want to see our united Republican Party in Georgia in, in 22. And well, after the primary, everybody yeah. can unite around the winner. Whoever it happens to be, the poll yesterday showed Kemp was ahead, so that probably makes you happy. Who, whoever's the best candidate to beat uh, Stacey Abrams, and I think uh, it's it's Kemp, especially in the polls right now, but he's got the best. best we'll see. I think, I think Herschel has a phenomenal chance to beat uh, Raphael Warnock in that race. I think it's going to be a, a hard race. Um, I think I think Georgia, like other states, has shifted more blue than in the past. Yes. Um, I, I kind of agree. Republican infighting is an ideal. But I think there's some justified reasons for David Perdue primarying Kemp, uh, some of which I explained. There are others that I have. I have nothing against Kemp personally. And I don't even know the guy. I talked to him, I think, maybe at once. I don't know him. I've never spoken to Rassenberger. And I, I don't know him, um, but we'll see. Uh, it's going to well, be interesting. I, yeah. Amanda in Wisconsin. What's up, Amanda? How are you? John, just some comments about Ukraine and Russia from experience of me actually going there. And I do have a, a, a very good friend of mine who is an American citizen who is married to a Ukrainian man, and they currently live in Ukraine, and they have for 17 years or so. And just some input from the time that I've spent there and talking to them. Um, they feel that uh, the American media is really blowing up, um, in their words, the um, the border crisis uh, with, with Russia. Um, they said that uh, Putin has done this many times before and it hasn't been, quote, advertised. Um, and they said that they feel that uh, Biden perhaps is trying to bring himself out to be a savior um, of, look, I, I beat Putin, I did it. Um, uh, they feel that there's a huge divide between eastern and western Ukraine, and that was very evident. And I've been there five times from um, since 2015, and it's completely evident um, east versus west. And they've had this war going on since 2014, and I don't think that some people understand that there's still a war going on there. It hasn't stopped. And Putin is after resources. Eastern Ukraine has a tremendous amount of natural resources, and if he can get the use eastern part of it um eventually he probably could get the western part of it but at this point my friends they aren't leaving um they have no intention to leave they're in the western part i've been to two places in the eastern part of ukraine um seeing the difference between east and west and um i don't necessarily agree with with them as far as putin's plans because um frankly i think he's just evil and um, he has a plan, and there's always something that he's up to. Um, I do think he could US definitely be doing this as a means of extracting um, concessions from the West, NATO, America, you name it. That that mm -hmm. definitely can be part of it. I agree with that. It could be a head fake. Um, Absolutely. And um, as far as money goes, I can tell you, I, I highly doubt that any money that the U.S. has given to Ukraine has actually gone towards anything 
meaningful to the Ukrainian people. Um, it, it's highly corrupt. I know that was one of the first things that many Ukrainians told us when we, my husband and I went there the first time in 2015. They we're, uh, it's corrupt. I mean, and that's the joke. We go there and we're like, corrupt, you know, we just say it because they know that it's corrupt. And if they can get, and like I said, if Putin can get, you know, step in on the east side, and I mean, he wants a clear path to the sea. I mean, that's that's huge. That's humongous. And the western side of Ukraine is very um, nationalistic, and they are going to put, put up more of a fight than the eastern side has. And if you go wow. back in history and look at Ukraine, they but, have always been, I'm sorry, they've been weak. They've been weak, and they, I, they have rolled over. They'll roll over again. They don't have the military might to fight back, in my view. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. A big Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern. Hannity, Fox News Channel. Don Jr. joins us. Pete Hegseth. Leo 2.0 Terrell. This entire issue of the NCAA, what to do with trans athletes, is it is the NCAA and their leadership turning a blind eye to injustices in women's sports? Caitlin Jenner will join us. Tammy Bruce, Adam Carollo, and much, much more. Nine Eastern, Set DVR, Hannity, Fox News. See you tonight. Back here tomorrow. Thank you for making this show possible. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie. Because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.